If you have your Bibles, our primary text is going to be 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> We've talked about blessing our family and blessing our children. And uh, we've talked last week about blessing God. Now we're going to look at blessing others. How God wants us to go about being a blessing for others. Uh, just as Monica has been called to go and bless others uh, in Tanzania, so are we called to bless where we are as well. And I want us to look and see what we can glean from Scripture today. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were in the desert and they were preparing to go in to really the promised land, so to speak. And He was going to bless them more than they could have ever hoped to imagine, more than they could have ever experienced, uh, certainly in Egypt. And He tells them, He lists some things here, particularly in verse uh, 7, 8, and 9. He says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing of valleys and hills, a land with wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. Now, those seven elements of substance are elements that really uh, most of them hadn't enjoyed particularly uh, consistently, uh, and some of them at all. Uh, the wheat and the barley, he goes on to tell them that you will be provided with plenty of bread, which was always fairly deficient where they had been. Uh, they had just enough to make it, but you're going to have all that you need. And then I'm going to give you some bonuses. I'm going to give you some extras that are almost delicacies. I'm going to give you pomegranates. I'm going to give you figs. And some, you know, they certainly had fig season, but here they were going to be plentiful. I'm going to give you olive oil. I'm going to give you honey. The, the uh, picture is it's going to be complete. It's going to be everything, not only that you need, but I'm going to bless you with even more than you need. And we see that theme continued on. It's a covenant agreement. It is a conditional agreement. In other words, if you will obey and if you will follow me and make me your God, you will be my people and my hand of blessing will be upon you. He goes on in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy and he begins there to talk about how, in verse 3, how I want you to be a blessing in the surroundings that you're in, in the city, in the area that you're in. I want you to be a blessing from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. When you Bless when you go out. Bless when you come back. I want you to experience the blessing. I want you to experience the blessing when you come into battles and when you come into trials and difficulties. I want to uh, see you as the blessing. I want you to be the giver and not the taker. <clears throat> I want you to be the one who lends. I don't want you to have to be the borrower. I want you to be the one who's giving. Giver. That's one of the things He really wants them to experience that blessing of. And then He tells them, I want you to be the blessing of the head. I want you to be the lead and not the tail. In other words, I want you to see yourself as a blessed one, as one who leads, one who shines forth the glory of God. One that need not be ashamed, but one who can proclaim the glory and the blessing of God. One who can lead in the environment that you're in because of the goodness and the blessing of God. Now, I want us to see what the New Testament tells us in 1 John chapter 3. Now, that's toward the end of your Bible. Not to be confused with the Gospel of John. It's one of those little books in the back of your New Testament. 1 John chapter 3, where John is speaking here to the church. And uh, John, is, he is sharing, uh, is probably dealing with several issues 
Uh, one of the issues some scholars think is he was dealing with the issue of Gnosticism, which was the belief that knowledge was supreme, but what you did in, in the flesh, what you did in the day-to-day, what, what your body did, didn't really matter. It was only what happened in your mind. And it was only that you fed and you grew in your mind and you grew intellectually and therefore growing spiritually. Uh, so that was part of the belief. There was also those who were trying to bring Judaism into Christianity at that time, trying to hold on to some of the legalistic rituals. And uh, John was trying to address some of these issues. Some had come in and then they had departed. They had left uh, the church. They had left mad uh, because they didn't either want to give up some things or they uh, possibly just didn't get the position that they wanted. Whatever it was, they had left angry because things had not gone their way. There had also been false teachings that had come in. And John's addressing these issues. And he says, let me tell you right now the overarching thing that will define who the real believers are. And it's a good word for us today. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning. Since Christ came to you, He preached this. He lived this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. We should love one another. We should love one another. Second greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your... Or first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Second one, love your neighbor as yourself. This will be a defining characteristic of the believer. You want to know whose faith is real? Do they love one another? One of the early, uh, one of the early scholars, uh, early historians was writing back uh, to Caesar and he was supposed to be getting information because there were all kind of lies and rumors spread about Christianity in the early days. One was they were cannibals that they ate the flesh of each other and the blood of their leader, which what it was, it was a time of communion, but people had distorted that. Uh, and he went and recorded and he said, I didn't see any cannibalism, but I did notice at that time they were coming together daily to observe this time that they called the Eucharist, this time of the Lord's Supper. They also, he also observed the baptism. He also observed that they came together and they prayed and they taught. Um, but he said, you know, one of the defining things that I thought was so interesting was, oh, how they loved one another. What a great testimony for this lost historian as he defines Christianity, as he defines the early church. Oh, how they loved one another. And John uh, magnifies this. He says in verse 12, Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. When you see Cain, particularly in the New Testament, Cain is the opposite of righteousness. He is the opposite of what God desires for us. Even in the beginning, it started back then, Cain, uh, because of his unright, because of Abel's righteousness, the Bible clearly tells us in verse 12 right there, that Cain murdered his brother because of his righteousness. Because it made him embarrassed. Because it made him feel bad. Because it convicted him. And so what does he do? Cain kills Abel. Abel offers an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Cain does not. Cain becomes angry, kills his brother. And what's interesting, he's talking about the spirit of murder. He's talking about the spirit of hatred. He said, don't be like Cain. Don't have that spirit of hatred and anger, that spirit of prejudice, that spirit of superiority, that spirit of certain people are not worthy or... They've done something that has pushed them beyond the grace of forgiveness. And he goes on to say, and because, in the first, excuse me, in verse 13, do not be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. That's how we know that you've experienced the forgiveness and the transformation of Christ because you love others. Why, is, why are we as a church... Spending money to send Monica 
overseas because God has commissioned us to love one another and to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ with the world. And for her, that will be going to Africa where there's not a church and quite frankly where there's not a place for her to so-called preach, but where she can share the love of God through medicine and through helping. That is a key characteristic. That is an identifying mark. More than a Christian t-shirt, more than a flag, is that we love one another, that we love others as Christ has loved us. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Now, that's not the first time we've ever seen or heard of that. Jesus said that in the Beatitudes, or excuse me, not the Beatitudes, but in the Sermon on the Mount. He said that if you look upon one with murder in your heart or hatred in your heart, then you've already committed murder. So God already looks at that, and He already has. De- Jesus has already defined that. John comes back and reinforces. You know that no murderer et- et- enters eternal life. This is how we know what love is. So we've seen the situation, and now we're going to look at the sacrifice and the compassion that John commands believers to have. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, so what? We ought to lay our lives down for others, for our brothers. He goes on and he says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? When you see and hear about needs, and God clearly defines that for you or shows that to you or leads you, or you see it within your body, you see it within your church, you see it within your sphere, when God places it upon your heart, upon your church, upon those others, when you see people going, He said, and you deny that and you go, it's about me. That's not something I do. He says, the love of God is not in you. You lack that spirit of compassion. He says, for if we see our brother in need but have no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions in truth. But with actions. Let us demonstrate that love. Let us demonstrate that compassion. Now, how do we do that specifically? Why don't we give you three ways that we specifically can do that. Three ways that we can bless other people. That we can love others. Number one, we do it materially. We do it through giving, through helping provide when there are needs that come about. When there are needs either in the body of Christ but even outside the body of Christ. That's one of the reasons that we ask you to give so that we can support not only Monica, but we're going to be doing a Hispanic mission here. Uh, we're starting a church in Corinth, and then we're sending another family uh, over to the outside of the Phoenix area. Why are we doing that? And why do we do that? Well, because God has called us to be not only a receiving and equipping, but a sending church to send people out to minister the grace and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ because of the difference He's made. And we do that primarily through the gifts that you give. Not primarily. That's how we do it. We do it through, the, through the, what people give to our church materially. I look at this building right here, and this is a miracle. You know why we're here right now? It's because some people sacrificed for us to be in here. We were 60 families meeting in a school. And when we looked at it, I remember one of the consultants says, yeah, you can't do it. You won't be able for it. There's no way you'll be able to do it. I go, okay, well, we're not going to get anybody professional to come in here and help us. We probably couldn't afford to pay them anyway. And we're just going to trust God and see what happens. Well, people sold their jewelry. 
People sold their shotguns. People uh, denied themselves vacations so that we could afford to move in here. That's, that's what happened. I mean, people made some significant sacrifices. And I say thank you. And one of the reasons we're able to do more is because we're able to reach more. And one of the reasons we're able to send people out by Monica is because people sacrificed before. And, you know, we've got that great opportunity. We're going to be doing one more building uh, in the near future. After that, it's probably going to be a while, but it's only 5,000 square feet. God blessed us again, uh, as I told you all earlier, uh, that for, we've got to pay $600,000 at the end of this year anyway to the bank. They're allowing us to put that in to that building. So basically, for 150000 more that we're going to owe, we're going to have that 5,000 square foot building that we can put children, youth, and hopefully even some adults in. And we're excited about what God's going to do, and then that's going to secure us for a while. And so we're excited about that, but that only happens when we start to give. We were created to be givers. That's spiritually, genetically part of the way we were put together. And we don't, God doesn't just bless us so we can get more. He blesses so that we can give more, so that we can help more, so that we can meet needs according to His riches and glory, so that He might be glorified. Second way that we bless people is we can bless with a heart. When we see someone who's ministering, when we see someone who is being faithful, when we see someone who is serving, you know, I, I think about, you know, there are so many single parents in our church that are so faithful to be here and uh, who are faithful with their children, faithful in their service. They've got a job. They've got all kind of things going. I think about my brother right over here, Tino Smith, who was here with Monica when we started and uh, who had two small children when we I say small, I guess they weren't that small, but they were kind of small to me. And, uh, and I, I remember Tino always being so faithful. And I so respect the way uh, that he is always to minister to those who are in prison, those who are hurting, those who have needs. Well, when you recognize that and you speak that word, that's a blessing. He goes and he speaks blessing into those people's lives. By presence. And that's the third way that we bless people is by the Spirit. We bless people through the Spirit. Now, what, is, what does that mean? Well, that means that sometimes God blesses through us in spite of us. It's not an ability. It's not a talent. It's not even necessarily a gift. It's the Spirit of God that comes. Well, how does that occur? Well, I'll give you a couple examples how that occurs. And I'll give you some room. First of all, it happens through prayer. When you pray for people, you are blessing them spiritually. You know, we had several families in the hospital. One family that had a significant tragedy uh, that occurred in their family this week. And uh, as I was talking to them, um, matter of fact, he told me I could share the Dorenzo family. He said, man, thank you. Tell the church thank you for the way that they've ministered to us, the way that they've come to us. He said, you know, I've never really understood church family until this week. Uh, people helped take care of our children while we were in the hospital the whole time. And, and matter of fact, uh, they're still going to be there for a good while. But it's just an opportunity where people, they said, we felt the prayers of the people. And we, as they came and just sat there with us, that's another way. It's the, sometimes just our presence. One of our guys got off an airplane at 11 o'clock that was in their small group at 11 o'clock p.m. and went to the hospital downtown Dallas and sat with them till 3 a.m. That's a blessing. That's transformation. He said, I'll never forget that. And he broke down and started crying. That's a way that we can bless people and it doesn't have anything to do with your education. It doesn't have anything to do with your money. How much you think you know or you don't know about the Scripture. doesn't matter what your race or anything else. It's will you be willing to. That's why we have a nursing home ministry that you can go to. You don't know, have to know a lot, but it's really more of a ministry 
of presence. Within our younger children, our preschool, there's opportunity to minister with your presence and encouragement there. Sometimes it is by giving mercy to someone who maybe you don't, who doesn't necessarily deserve the mercy and the forgiveness. Sometimes it's to serve in that place that's needed where there is a need, whether it's be in the children's area or whether it be somewhere else where there's a need and you say, I'll do it, Lord. Give me the Spirit. Give me the power. You know, another way to do it that we can do is, is by confessional. Many of you, most of you have had some difficult experience. Some of you have had tragedy occur in your life. And sometimes God is going to put you face to face or you're going to even see them from a distance. Someone who is struggling with something similar. Someone who has lost a loved one. And what God needs you to do and desires for you to do is go and say, you know what? I understand. I've, I've kind of been there. How can I help? I want you to know I'm here. Now let me tell you what that doesn't mean. Let's, let's, do, let's do ministry 101, what that doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean is that your grandmother died. And I love my grandmother. I saw my grandmother every day. I loved her. But if my son dies and somebody whose grandmother died a couple, couple months ago or a year ago comes up and goes, I know what you feel like. My grandmother died last year. That ain't the same thing, okay? And a lot of times when we do those, those are more about us. If you have to talk more and they have to sit there, then it may be more about you. Matter of fact, when you go and you confessionally share something, it should hurt. It should be difficult. In other words, if you're really excited to get to tell them all about what you've done, all your grief, you're not ready. You need to sit down and tell yourself for a little while, okay? Uh, go talk in the mirror and wait till you've got a little pain associated around it, okay? When it's hard when you are scared, when you don't know what to say, you're ready. That means the Spirit of God's going to intercede. That means you're in the right heart. You know, we had a guy this week who shared with another guy uh, who, who we were talking to who had, was dealing with pornography and just been kind of just kind of captivated in it. And this guy, other guy shared with him. He said, you know, not hardly anybody knows this. Ron knows this, but not hardly anybody knows this. But I... I dealt with pornography for six years, and I was addicted. And he confessed right there. Now, this guy doesn't want that public. He's not going around sharing that all the time. He's not out doing conferences trying to make money. That's none of that. That was very hard for him to do, but he did it at that time because he recognized that that guy needed encouragement, that he could resonate. That's a time of ministering in the Spirit, blessing in the Spirit. Let me tell you another way. And let me tell you, I'm not very good at this. I'm preaching this sermon for me, just so you know. I know I'm supposed to be the pastor and be an expert at this, but I'm really not nearly as good. I'm deficient. I've got like a top ten deficiencies. This is one of them. I really got more than that, but you don't want to hear about them. But uh, I've got all these deficiencies in my life. But I was at the hospital with one of these families this week. And there was this, as I walked by, there was this, this little girl. She was probably 11, 10, 11 years old. And she was in bad shape. She had the trach through her throat and just in very, very bad shape. And it was in surgical ICU. And they were getting her prepped to go into surgery. And her mom was there. And you could tell her mom was, was very poor, didn't have much. I, at first I thought maybe she was Mennonite because she had a little, uh, little covering on her head, but that's, that wasn't what it was. And uh, Anyway, I, I saw her just holding as long as she could. And she was crying. And as they took her away, I, I went back to the, to the uh, waiting room. And while I was in the waiting room, uh, I saw a guy come in. And I thought to myself, that's probably the father. Because quite frankly, he looked poor. He looked like he didn't fit. He looked scared. He was alone. And uh, he just didn't... You could just tell that uh, he had had a hard, hard life. 
And um, I thought about it and was like, I need to encourage him. I don't know what to say. He didn't know me. He'd think I'm a weirdo. You know, and I don't go around doing that. I'm not, I'm not bragging about that at all. Matter of fact, again, that's a deficiency that I have. I'm not one that normally goes up and says, I don't know you, but I just want to speak a word of encouragement on you. And uh, I, I don't do that. I'm a loser. And, uh, and so, anyway, God just really started convicting me. And about that time, she walked in. Sure enough, it was that lady I'd seen back in the surgical ICU. And they were sitting there alone by themselves. And so God just got all over me and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm with another family. <laughs> I'm ministering here. I'm the pastor. And because uh, they're right here and I can't leave. But there are about seven of us, to be real honest with you, right there. And so God just finally, I think he was going to revoke my license if I didn't move. And so God uh, just kind of moved me out. And I went over there and I, I said, you know, I know you don't know me, but I, I, I want to tell you that that I just believe God's speaking to me and saying that God's going to walk with you through this. And is it okay if I just pray with you? And he didn't quite understand. I recognized at that point they were probably from Romania. They were from another country. And they were alone here. And something tragic had happened. And I don't even know what had occurred. And um, so uh, she started to say yes. She told me her daughter's name. And so we began to pray. When I got through, I looked up and they were both crying. And she said, thank you. And you know what? I, that was it. I didn't fix it. And you know what? You're not going to fix it either. But can I tell you, ministering by Spirit will take some risk. It will take you out of your comfort zone. You will have to minister to somebody that's not like you, doesn't look like you. You don't know what their situation is. And that's why you don't need to talk a lot. You just need to say, I'm here. Can I pray? I just want you to know I'm here. If there's anything I can do, I'm just here. And a lot of times that will open up the door. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes you'll just pray. Sometimes you'll pray silently. But again, that's how you'll know. It's the blessing of the Spirit. Because you won't get the credit. You won't fix it. You'll recognize it's something that only God can do. God wants you to risk being a blessing today. Some of you need to risk materially. You need to start to give. Some of you, you need to just speak, need to start with speaking in words of encouragement, maybe within your own family. But for some of you, and really for all of us, God wants us to begin to take a risk to bless people. To open our eyes when we wake up in the morning and recognize it may be the waiter or the waitress. It may be the mailman. It may be somebody... Um, I heard a lady talk the other day how she couldn't afford to pay her prescriptions and somebody just... Pay them. She goes, they don't realize if they saved my life because they had just turned off my heat, or excuse me, my electricity. <clears throat> In my condition, when I get too hot, I have significant heart problems. She goes, it was because somebody paid my medication. I don't know who that was. When we begin to say, God, use me, and begin to open the eyes of our heart, there's a need around you every day. Quit thinking, God, send me a ministry. God, how do you want to use it? God wants to use you today. And it may be back there in the children's area. It may be holding a baby. It may be at the nursing home. It may be next door. It may be in your family. It may be at the grocery store. It may be at work. But there's somebody who needs a word of hope, who needs to experience the love of Christ, and doesn't need you to fix it. They need you to trust God, and they just need to know that you're there and that you care. And to speak a word of Spirit by your presence and your prayer. I want to encourage you to do that. That's what you were created to be.